Hello and welcome to From Fear to Fire, Secrets to Overcome Fear, Embrace Your Gifts, and Achieve Success. This is the place where real people share real challenges and where you can find a common bond and uncommon wisdom through their journeys to help you move from fear to fire. I am Heather Hansen O'Neill. I am your host. As always, I start with a quote. Today's quote is by Michelle Obama. Failure is an important part of your growth and developing resilience. Today, we have an amazing guest. You're going to love him. Mike Hines spent over two decades as a successful therapist and now helps people unleash their God-given genius as an executive coach. This is going to be so much fun. So hello and welcome, Mike. How are you today? Hi, Heather. Doing great. So good to be here. Oh, I'm, I'm thrilled to have you and learn about, okay, well, you moved from therapist to coach and there's a little bit, there's a, there's a, it's a fine line sometimes, isn't it? Tell us about how that worked for you. Yeah. I mean, it was one of those things where I'd started coaching and then of course, you know, COVID hits and I've got a, a client and he just says to me, he says, dude, you got to get your message out there. Like you helped me more in six weeks than some of my other coaches have helped in, in a couple of years. Mm -hmm. And we started working and then, you know, this funny thing happened. It was just this moment where he says, you could start writing and do this. And I said, no, I can't. I haven't written a blog post. And he says, wait, did you just say can't? You don't let me use that word. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Oh, that's awesome when we learn these lessons from our clients, right? Yeah. It's like, uh oh, I mean, <laughs> I'm flattered and now I'm challenged and I got to take some of my own medicine. And, <laughs> and there I was in this moment of recognition that I've been having a fear for about a decade mm. of putting my work into writing and broadening the message. And of course, he gave me some additional information. He says, hey, there's ghostwriters, there's services, there's editors, you don't do it all yourself. You know, the, the world has changed since, you know, whatever dark ages you think you're from with a typewriter. So, you know, <laughs> I am old enough to know about these. And, and was he <laughs> um, and I had to find a way and, and he actually really helped in steering me the right direction to say, okay, be really honest. I'm frightened. But here's some creative solutions. And he just threw them at me and I started to pursue them. And then the real work started where I had to like dig deep and say, what can I bring out? What's, how can I be vulnerable here? And what do people really need to hear about me so that they can be inspired? Mm. And so, so that led to the book. That absolutely led to the book. I mean, there was, you know, lockdowns happening. So it was a lot of free time. And there I was with my own thoughts. And then I did manage to find, you know, like a, a great couple of people, Mike Gulmer and Linda yeah. over at Catapult. And <clears throat> over the summer, we had a book. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, and so tell us the name of the book before we dive deeper. Oh, sure. It's, it's called The Misguided Mind. Unleash Your God-Given Genius at Work and at Home. Uh, I happen love to be it. seeing this. That's, that's what the book looks like. Yeah. And, you know, it's a little bit of a story of, hey, you know, I was, I was, like I mentioned, a couple of decades as a, as a psychotherapist, and there's a real flaw in our mental health, and it started to get exposed during the pandemic. Um, if you got a serious mental illness, you can go to, you know, like up here, there's, there's things like CAMH, or there's hospitals, uh, depending where you are, there's going to be choices like that. 
But often people are frightened of that. It's like, oh, I won't go near that. I'll be heavily medicated or I'm not crazy. Or why would I go talk to somebody? They're crazier than I am. That's why they're in that job. Oh no, we need to do better. People need help, you know? And you don't have to be crazy to get some, how about we rise things up? And that's something I like about coaching as well. Like it isn't just about uh, mental illness. We can start talking about mental health. We can start talking about mental wellness. We can start talking about the physical body, the emotional body, relationships. Like we can actually talk about the whole person oh, yeah. and really, really kind of engaging with the world. And that's what I say, the, the genius. I think that's what you describe as going from fear to fire. Yes. Like we're not alone, right? Mm-mm. Oh my gosh. I love this. I knew you would be speaking my language. This is fantastic. <laughs> I love that going from mental illness to mental wellness and mental health and the whole, like the holistic element of it. You're looking at all elements, um, you know, body, mind, spirit, all of that. That's fantastic. So you mentioned already, which I love, I didn't have to pull it out of you. You mentioned this fear that you overcame with your writing. Um, were there any other personal lessons that you've learned from overcoming fears? Any other stories you'd like to share with us? Well, I mean, one of those things, <clears throat> and, and this is just a recent one, but certainly there is, as soon as I entered into that one and, you know, we did an interview style uh, writing of the book and transcription and editing it back and forth. But as soon as I opened that one, then I have this book, Right. So what do you do to market it? Well, there was me by myself with a whole stack of books and they're on Amazon. And it's like, yeah, oh, now, now I have to tell people, right? That's scary. It is. I know. <laughs> it never occurred to me. Right? <laughs> I know. I see your books on the shelf. It's like two or three. What do you have? Three. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> three. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's scary. It's scary getting it out there because then you're like, oh my gosh, it's real now. So what did you do to overcome that? No, I was on, I was in some masterminds and as you know, online, of course, there's tons and tons of resources. And I, and I had really good help from, from the small independent publisher. It's, you know, we're kind of <laughs> half self-published, half publisher. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of just had this chance encounter with a person and she said, uh, you know, I can tell you it's Sierra Carter. She's got her own podcast. And mm-hmm. she said, would you be on my podcast? You need to, you need to get your book out there. And I was like, Oh, I don't know about a podcast. I've, I've never spoken in public. And it's like, last time I did is on television and I can't even remember it. People told me it's good, but I have no recall. No <laughs> <laughs> I was totally blanked. So talk about fear of public speaking, right? I mean, I'm okay at it. I taught at a university. I've got these things, but there is this huge thing. And it was like, my feet were in quicksand and And, you know, I'm just like, okay, well, I guess I can do that. Well, I had the absolute best time on this podcast. And we did just like you're doing. It's like two people that really wanted to talk to one another. We hit record, you know? (laughs) Exactly. It's it's fabulous. (laughs) I'm glad that you've seen the light and this dark side. That was so scary. (laughs) But I could have said no. Like just about everything in me was saying, no, Mm -hmm. don't do it. And, you know, I think, you know, and that was somewhere where I'd been holding my own self back, my own career back. Like I was, I was doing very well. I just, you know, did my 20 minute walk to work. I saw a whole bunch of clients, eight, 10 clients in a day. And then I walked home, Mm -hmm. but I wasn't making an impact in the world. I wasn't actually, I'm sure there's ripple effects, but I wasn't actually doing what I was supposed to be doing. Yes. I was avoiding my own real purpose for being on this planet. Mm. 
Oh my gosh. I want to repeat that one because I think that's a, that's one our listeners are going to need to hear again. You're avoiding your own reason, your purpose for being on this planet. And I think that that complacency that everything's okay. You know what? I'm, I'm fine. I'm comfortable. I'm doing my thing. And we get, we get caught up in, this is what I'm doing and everything's okay. And there's no real pain here. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because massive change comes from this massive pain, but why, why wait? Right. Why not yeah. explore the potential to follow your purpose? I mean, how great does that feel now getting the, the message out there? It feels amazing. And what I'm, what's happening is I'm meeting like dozens and dozens of wonderful people every week. Yes. Like it's, it's unreal. Now I love the people that I worked with and all of those things. Now I just have more of a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, right? that was not in my imagination. Like all those reasons for not doing things was not in my imagination. It will be better. That thought didn't come up, which no. is crazy, right? It is crazy. It's so funny, but you know what? That's human nature. Yep. And, and <clears throat> sometimes we have to become really conscious to say, to shift the focus from what's, you know, what could go wrong to, Hey, what could go right? <laughs> you <Yep>. know, that's <laughs> exciting. <laughs> and it's so funny, you know, because that's something that I often say to people. They come in and they just come in my office and say, tell me this long list of things that were wrong with them. And I'd say, okay, got it. I've heard you. Now tell me what's right with you. And that would usually stop people in their tracks. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I, I, I don't know what's right with me. I better go home and think about it. And, and sometimes they'd know right away. And there was a lot of shame or they'd been kind of hurt or people would beat them down. You know, it's like, well, tall poppies are the first ones to get chopped, like all of that kind of stuff in our world. We have good reasons, but this thing that you just said about being right. And what if it's something right with me and and I get to discover it. It's always so much more when the change is our idea. Yeah. All right. Oh, (sighs) sometimes it hurts if we wait until the universe decides we need a change or the the boss decides we need to be laid off or all of these kinds of things that happen in life. Mm-hmm. But when we get to choose, I spent a lot of time talking about choice yeah. and, and it's just so powerful. I love that. So um, let's talk about empathy for a moment. Let's yeah. talk about empathy in the workplace. Um, it's a very big topic topic this year. What are your thoughts? You know, Heather, it's it's something that's all over the place. Like it's Wall Street Journal, Forbes, Inc. Magazine. This is a business issue. It's not just a, a mental health issue. And what we're discovering is, you know, that old kind of my way or the highway style of leadership isn't working. People are quitting. So we have the great resignation. Four million workers a month still going in the U.S. workforce. <clears throat> and a lot of it's over bad treatment or a lot of it's over flexibility. There's, there's differing reasons Mm-hmm. But what we're finding is the leaders that have the capacity either to learn to be empathetic and actually put themselves in the other person's shoes so that they can hear their perspective. Mm-hmm. And they may not always say, oh, yes, I'm going to do everything that you're asking me to do. I mean, it's a workplace. We're trying to get work done. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. But they can say, I understand where you're coming from now that we had this conversation. Let's keep talking. The company cultures that have empathy built in or are growing it now, because maybe they didn't used to, mm-hmm. are the ones that are attracting people into the workforce. 
And so, yeah, people are coming and asking me. Um, so this empathy thing, you know, I used to think it was BS and, and you know, for, <laughs> for other places, but it seems like I need it in the workforce. Can you tell me more about it? How do I do that? Oh my gosh. And you know, we were, we were chatting a little bit before we started the recording about humanity in the workplace. Yeah. And this is what you're talking about with empathy is a, a, a definitely a part of humanity in the workplace because you are treating others as humans. You are, you are recognizing, I see you, I see the human in you. Um, so how do you think that this ultimately helps the organization and the people within it? I mean, this is an incredible point. It is kind of the bottom line. We're moving from a workplace that um, prioritizes human doings to a recognition that we work with human beings. And the simplest first step is to treat others with kindness. Okay. This sounds like kindergarten stuff, but I, mean, <laughs> but I mean, the golden rule is kind of kindergarten stuff. And if we can just see that there's another human whose issues we may not know or understand what's going on behind the scenes, but they're showing up in front of us right now. Mm -hmm. And we can take a millisecond to treat them well. We overcome issues of bias, which should diversity, equity, inclusion. We overcome issues of, you know, uh, cruelty. We start to create a better world. Like this is where the workplace starts to become a place of growth and prosperity, but for the whole person. Again, back to that, that whole human gets the opportunity to grow. Work is one of the places that held many people together. Mm -hmm. and has for for generations really yeah and that's that i love the holistic side of what we're discussing right here and how important it is um to have our like i love working with leaders because i know that when you're helping a leader discover their humanity discover that empathy that that is going to have the the biggest ripple effect because they touch so many other so many other humans. And so I love what you're talking about, Mike. Completely, yeah. completely agree with you. It's fantastic. And leaders are fun because they like to be curious and they like to kind of, you know, win and solve the problem and all those things. So if you can light that up for the leader, they're like, oh yeah, yeah, let's bring this empathy in, you know, <laughs> even if it's not my strong suit, let's get it done, you know? <laughs> let's give it a shot. That's awesome. Yeah. I love it. I'm going to take that on. That's fantastic. <laughs> So, you know, going back a little bit to, you know, why we needed this focus on empathy is because there's been so much fear and anxiety, right? Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about that, about the, the increase in reporting of these fears and anxiety and what it means for, for all of us. Yeah. You know, what's weird is I think, you know, we had all this idea of let's get back to normal. And as soon as everyone's back in the office, we'll be good again. And for whatever reason, I mean, however many waves, I, I can't even count them. Um, we've never had a back to normal. Like people are saying things like the next normal or just think the old way is dead. Like, you know, this is, this is a culture of change. We're gonna have constant change. But what is happening as we return to the office or, you know, we go full, full work from home or whatever, people are more frightened. We're running into issues of fears around things like masking, not masking. We're running into, um, hey, it was way better for my family when I was at home and available. And, you know, I worked five hours in a day and three hours after the kids were in bed. Like we've got all kinds of independent solutions. But as we bring up um, things of force and, we, and, and sometimes positive things, 
we're getting fears over going back to gatherings. We're getting fears over uh, returning to work. We're getting fears over who's going to come and visit. They're all over the place. So we need a lot more, um, believe it or not, firm. Like I'm not talking about ruinous empathy the way, you know, as opposed to radical candor. I'm talking about the capacity to have a connection with our people so they feel safe. So we have that psychological safety. We aren't punishing vulnerability. We're rewarding vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And then have these conversations of like, it seems like you're really frightened. Is there something you can do? And sometimes we can't even say, it seems like you're really frightened. You might just have to say, Hmm, you and I have a really good connection. I can feel, I'm sure even the listeners can feel it. We're doing this real time. Can you tell me more about what would help you in this situation? Mm, That is brilliant. I mean, that, that, that's, that's just so such an openness comes from that, right? Yep. This is a willingness to just listen and be, be present. And then it really helps the other person to open up and, and say what they need to say. And then it, it puts the responsibility on the person to be able to name and label what they need. And guess what? I mean, there are really big things. People have died. People are, you know, have lost marriages, like terrible things have happened mm-hmm. over the last couple of years. They may not be comfortable telling a boss, but they might be able to say, hey, what I need is this chunk of time so that I can handle what I need to handle and then I can be more present for work. Then we have a conversation. We have two people saying, I need this, I need that, and we can come together on it. Ah, that's fantastic. Um, you also have another, um, another really interesting um, way that you, you so you, you talk about uh, self-regulation and co-regulation. Yeah. So talk, because I, when, when I was reading up a, a little bit about this, I thought, oh yeah, this is so true. So can you share a little bit about what you speak with that? Yeah. So again, you know, what we've learned a lot is uh, we've got wonderful things like mindfulness. It's almost like a, an everyday word. And we've got all kinds of ways that we practice self-regulation. We're learning. It's a good thing. If I can keep myself in my, in my good zone, so I'm not, you know, down too low and depressed, or I'm not too high and anxious and freaked out. Mm-hmm. If I'm in my, what we call the window of tolerance, I'm good. And we've got a lot of techniques to promote self-regulation. So that's your mindfulness, your yoga, all the self-care things. Mm-hmm. What we've kind of known and not really recognized, it takes, you know, a neuroscience to, neuroscientist to come out and say, oh, by the way, by now the way. everybody's going to say, oh, my grandmother knew that. And Kate knew that. <laughs> right, like, right, this is going to be completely obvious, right? <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. we need other people. We are social animals. And so you've got someone like Lisa Feldman Barrett, who says our brains are actually wired to co-regulate. So we need another person to help us get into our good zone. Therapy has been one of these places. Coaching has been one of these places, any good solid relationship when we come together and it can be over a glass of wine or a cup of coffee or a glass of water or a jog Mm -hmm, mm can be through any one of these other channels, but we need other people and our biology absolutely says so. Mm -hmm. 
and we need them to um, you, you use the term to stay both stay calm and thrive, right? So both sides yeah. of it, yes. Yeah, I mean there is a caveat. I think also the worst thing for people is other people. I mean we've all got Thanksgiving stories that have gone wrong, oh, where it's like oh, my yeah. family makes me oh, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How can this guy say that? Doesn't he know what he's talking about? I thought he was intelligent, was a guest. You know, it's like yes, yes, I know. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So it requires a little bit of you know kind of a little discernment. First I pull myself together, then yeah. <laughs> then I do it for you, and yes, discernment on who we're going going to mm. for our regulation. Mm. I love that. So, you know, you have been through, you know, I talk a lot about change. I help companies through change and you've yeah. been through a, a fair amount of, of your own changes with different career roles and different things that have happened in your, in your life. So do you have any tips for people to help them um, make more successful transitions? Yeah, I think I mentioned one you know, earlier on, we we're both talking about it's when we have the choice, right. we always end up in a better situation around how we feel about the change. Mm -hmm. So I think there is a kind of a regular routine maintenance, as it were, some people do it at New Year's when they're setting resolutions, they're like, okay, what do I want for myself going forward? Mm -hmm. um, that's absolutely uh, the best way. Now, real life happens, and we don't often get the choice. Um, <clears throat> You know, bad things happen to good people all the time. Mm -hmm. So if we can have a good support network, again, this is what keeps people sane, healthy, emotionally balanced. If we have good morning routines, if we're getting into nature, if, we're, if we have kind of a good diet, exercise, all of these things, they all help. If we're faced with change that we don't like, and maybe we're stuck in a, in a, perhaps a merger or something like that, where company culture shifted, mm -hmm. we have to find a way to bring ourselves back on a daily basis to face the next day. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the things I kind of talk about is, is how the art of forgetting is actually critically important through change. We need to let go of really bad days so that we can the next morning have a good one. Mm-hmm. Yes, we can start fresh. Yes. There's probably a ton more, but you know, that's a, that's oh, a couple starters. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we only have a 30 minute show all, all, all the way. Let's walk through a day. <laughs> yeah, geez. Well, we, we might have to bring you back again, but I really want to talk a little bit about uh, in your book, you mentioned finding your mythic journey. That's such yeah. a great, I love that. Find your mythic journey. Tell us a little bit more about that and, and how people can own their lives so you know when we talk about uh there's there's a lot of work in joseph campbell and we see this in a lot of screenwriting star wars and all those kinds of epic things there is this hero's journey and usually it starts with there's a call and then we avoid the call yep. and then something terrible happens and then we're forced to go on our journey <laughs> yes yes we, we it takes us a while we're humans <laughs> we go down into yep. the dark and you know the underworld or whatever the case may be and then we transform yeah. and you know it's like the hobbit or whatever at the end of the journey we're different people. We are much better than we were at the start of the journey. We've changed sometimes in spite of ourselves. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that's valued in our society and, and probably overvalued, and this is what kind of I'm getting at in the book, is that we've yeah. taken and put too much relevance on uh, being rational 
orderly, thoughtful creatures, and we're fooling ourselves most of the time. Mm. Now, when we go to old stories, fairy tales, myths, um, you know, anything like that that are passed down, um, we realize that the irrational is incorporated, the kind of the crazy, the, the unthinkable actually happens in these journeys all the time, you know, um, cyclops and, you know, three-headed monsters, all sorts of things. Well, we know what those are. Those often name how we experience our fears, how we experience um, kind of hostilities, how we experience injustice. They're written right into these myths mm-hmm. and they're actually lessons. So if we can, in a sense, be playful and accept the fact that there's something irrational and then really kind of incorporate it into our story so far and say, okay, these are the facts. This stuff made sense. The rest of it didn't make any sense, but it still happened. Let's kind of take a look at it. If we can get that far, we can start to put the pen to paper and write a new future for ourselves. Mm -hmm. You're more visual learner. We can start to sculpt a new future for ourselves. We can become the architect of our future. If we know where we're starting from right now and things that have come to pass so far, we can write our own mythic quest going forward. We get to be the star of the show. It's really awesome. And we don't all have to be heroes. You know, I'm, I'm one that's, you know, to write my book. I'm a healer. That was, that was my mythic journey. Oh my gosh. This is so exciting because I just think it's so freeing to take back control of your life. Absolutely. I mean, it's just, it gives me chills sometimes to, to think about it, to hear the way that you just described that. Um, it's incredibly powerful. I, I, so how can anyone listening right now who is having a similar, like, ooh, excited moment, how can they find your book? How can they learn more from you? How can they reach you? Um, so my book is on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, easily available. It is the myth guided mind, M Y T H, not what some of my friends think that word is, right? <laughs> <laughs> so it's the myth guided mind. Mm-hmm. And my, my last name is spelled H Y N E S. So it's Michael Hines. Mm-hmm. Uh, the website is michaelhines.ca. And uh, you can look me up on LinkedIn. There's, there's, you know, I do have a um, Facebook and Instagram, but you know, that that's just kind of You'll see, you'll see the lighter side of me. You won't be hit with sales or anything right. on those ones. <laughs> right, 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 right. If you want to have a conversation, then you should go to LinkedIn or to check out yeah. the website or anything Absolutely. like that. Yeah. And folks, if you're driving, don't worry about it. We'll put a link in the show notes. You can click on it directly to, to reach Mike. Um, you know, I've really enjoyed your, your presence and, and the way the ideas, the concepts, the stories, the things that can help people as shift the way that they're thinking about something and, and the power that they have to move forward. So it's been wonderful. Do you have any final parting words of wisdom for us today? Heather, I absolutely love being here. And I certainly take you up on that offer. Yeah. If I were to say, you know, and this is going to, you probably heard it a million times, but just take one breath, insert a pause in your day today. Mm. It makes a world of difference. Okay. 
Um, too bad we didn't have this yesterday. I felt like I was going a thousand miles an hour. So I needed you to remind me to breathe. My, I need you to just uh, remind me, hey, Heather, take a breath. Oh, hey, you got my number now. Shoot I, me a text. You know, what can I talk? <laughs> no, it's brilliant. Thank you so yeah. much, Mike. I appreciate you. And thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, share it out into the world because someone else out there needs to hear it as well. And we look forward to seeing you again or hearing you again next week.